Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, and welcome to the Living History UK podcast, a podcast for the discerning and knowledge-hungry historians out there. You can support our podcast and get much more from Living History UK by joining our Patreon from just £1. And by doing so, you'll be a part of an ever-growing community and really help to make a difference as we strive to keep history alive. But for now, enjoy this podcast. Hello and welcome to the Living History UK podcast. Today, myself and Steve will be talking about an event that we attended a couple of weeks ago, which was Avoncroft. And it was... uh, a brand new event for myself and Steve because it well not so much for Steve but it was definitely a new experience for me as uh, it was our first event doing English Civil War. But isn't that right, Steve? Yes, indeed. So the uh, the very first English Civil War event for you, Peter, and a revisit to uh, kind of going full circle for me, uh, going back to English Civil War for the first time in and my maths is getting better. I think twelve years or thereabouts. So uh, it was certainly going back to where it all started. Many, many years ago, I remember my first English Civil War event that I attended was down at Lowesley Park, uh, outside Guildford in uh, in Surrey. And uh, I still remember it now, fantastic event. Uh, it was a major muster for the sealed knot as well. So we had in excess of a thousand people on the field. And uh, in that kind of vision of first going onto the field and all these, you know, parliamentarians and, and cavaliers all, all, over, all over the field sort of taking up all this space and gunfire. I think it's forever etched in my memory but uh, the event we went to at Avoncroft was somewhat uh, a stark contrast was it not Peter? Yeah it was absolutely I, I've done the pony on it but um, I didn't know what to make of it with the uh, with the English Civil War stuff yeah it was definitely an eye-opener in the sense of the way things were done if you know what I mean it was uh, as I said to you at the end of the weekend it was literally it was chilled out Napoleonics <laughs> <laughs> and that it is. Uh, it, it certainly is. I mean, Napoleonic, we, we of course did that for many years. Our listeners might not be privy to that information, but we were in the Napoleonic fold for cool, around around five years for myself, and I think around four years for Peter, if memory serves me well. Um, yeah, about that. 
yeah, I told you my maths was getting better. <laughs> but yes, it was um, it was certainly a laid back version of uh, of Napoleonic, that's for sure. And uh, as as I mentioned, the, the event we went to at Avoncroft, it was a stark contrast to it, one of these major musters. So um, we typically think of the sealed knot in the sort of English Civil War uh, reenactment, living history fraternity. But we actually went with uh, the kind of arch nemesis, shall we say, you know, tongue in cheek of, of the sealed knot, which is the English Civil War Society, uh, which was kind of, uh, well, an umbrella organization uh, born out of the sealed knot. And we went along with a, uh, a group called Colonel Valentine uh, Walton's, which is uh, actually run by a very good friend of ours and patron uh, of Living History UK and avid listener of the podcast, David Seal. So I'm sure he's listening at home and he's very, uh, very proud of us mentioning his name. But all jokes aside, it was Dave who invited us along um, to join Walton's for the weekend for our first, um, well, for Peter's first uh, foray and Joe's first foray, because we also had Joe Bristol, a good friend of ours, join us for the event back into uh, the English Civil War. So the event was at Avoncroft. So for those who, who are thinking, well, what's Avoncroft? Avoncroft is a museum of buildings. So if anyone came to the Living History UK Festival, uh, Avoncroft is very much in the same vein. And the premise of the event was actually on the Jubilee weekend. And it was uh, it's quite amusing, really, because you think, oh, Jubilee weekend, what should we do? Let's let's have a look at a nice civil war that happened in England uh, 300, well, nearly 400 years ago. So Parliament against uh, the Crown. So that was a little bit humorous to a degree. But uh, nonetheless, we, uh, we marched on, so to speak. And we took ourselves down to uh, Avoncroft on the bank holiday, which was... Uh, God, I'm trying to think now, Pete. It was so long ago. Was it Was it on the Friday we got there or was it on the Thursday? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, it was the Friday. Originally, we were going to go on the Saturday, but then you decided that we were going to go a day early. <laughs> <laughs> yes, nothing like a last-minute change of plans uh, indeed. So <laughs> we got there nonetheless and uh, sort of, uh, I would say, pitched up camp, but we didn't take any tents with us. The, we, we always envisaged from day one of moving into the realms of, of English Civil War. We do it along similar lines like we did with the Napoleonic um, sort of living history we did. So taking that formula that we used to great success and, and, and great enjoyment we had from it too, we, we sort of applied it to the English Civil War period. So what we did is we actually requisitioned an old stables. I think it was an 18th or, or even 17th century, perhaps pushing it a bit there, but I think more 18th century stables for the uh, weekend and uh, put some some uh, hay and straw down on the floor, and uh, that was that was our bed for for the uh, the night that we were there. Uh, we did two days there, and it was a fantastic event in that sense. It was something a little bit different. Um, but Pete, let's sort of wind back to uh, not so much the inception of our idea of doing English Civil War, but more look at where we first started amassing our um, accumulated kit. Well, that was over uh, Torm and Arm. That was. That's where we uh, got measured up for our tunics and breeches and got some odds and sods as well. So that's where it all, all we got our swords as well. Very important. We got our we, we got our swords on there as well. Yes, swords that we haven't actually even used yet. They haven't been used in anger or, or in training. So we're gonna have to do something about that. But as Pete says, we went to the original reenactors market, uh, writing on Dunsmore, but then also uh, the artisans and reenactors market, I believe it's called. Uh, that's that's actually the latter is where we picked up most of our kit. However, our, our soft kit, our, our soldier's jacket and breeches were purchased from a fantastic uh, lady called Linda, 
uh, Linda Badger, who's done an absolute stunning job of the work uh, on the uh, on the soldiers' uh, coat and breeches. Then we've got bandoliers from Paul Meekins. The uh, the swords or tucks that Pete's mentioned, they came from from armor class. We can wholeheartedly um, recommend that. It was most most uh, most enjoyable day out, was it not, Peter? It was. Um, we even popped in, uh, bumped into a few old friends of ours as well along the way while we were on our shopping spree. But most importantly, I got my magnificent hat as well. I was very impressed with my hat. Yes, it did make me smile when you immediately saw it, picked it up and popped it on your head. And within a millisecond, you said, I am the witch finder general, uh, which I burst out laughing. And then the uh, the guy on the stool just thought, um, where's the nearest fire exit? Which was quite amusing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it helps that I was shouting it at him as well. <laughs> yes. I didn't quite understand why you felt the need to shout it at him when he was probably less than six feet away. Uh, I thought you'd probably said it more in my direction, but uh, he did look startled to uh, to say the least. Maybe maybe he was a witch. That could yeah, be maybe, possibly. That's why he got frightened. It, yeah, <laughs> it, it intimidated him. Uh, well, we, yeah, we are so my, my size or bill just looming over him. Witch finder general. <laughs> uh, good, good. Well, Witch finder general of Banbury. <laughs> well, we might be somewhat deviating from the uh, episode nonetheless, but that's a little flavour into the insights of the behind the scenes goings on of the Inner Sanctuary of Women History UK. But moving on swiftly. Um, so we spent two days there at, uh, at Avoncroft uh, and one night. Um, when, in fact, the second day when we left, the weather really, really turned. So we were fairly lucky to that sense. But we had a couple of skirmishes there. So many of you guys who are listening, folks at home, will know that I'm not a massive fan of, of battles, especially in World War Two and World War One. Um, not so much Napoleonic, etc. But this was a very small scale skirmish. So it was just being put on for a little bit of enjoyment for people who come along. It's excuse to burn some powder. It's been many years since I've used a matchlock musket, and I have to admit, I kind of lost the knack for it to a degree. I forgot how, just how fiddly it was handling a piece of burning match cord whilst you're trying to uh, pour black powder into a pan and a muzzle. Um, it's not the easiest thing to do, but I'd love to hear, Pete, just what you made of it all. Yeah, I found it quite interesting, um, especially how slow things were as well. Um, like things was like thing like things are slow paced with the Poionics because that's what I was trying to relate to it each time we were doing stuff because that was like the closest thing I could kind of relate it to. Um, you know, it, it, the pace was a lot slower, and like you said, um, it's more it's really fiddly loading the match locks as well. Um, because I, I obviously like doing my research in it, what they were saying about um, musketeer might get like a round off a minute. Or something. I mean, come on now. So, like, come on. They were doing like at least two, three rounds a minute into the Pony on it wars. Um, but then doing it myself again from that, it's that living historian thing. Now I've done it myself. I can actually understand why now they're probably only getting about a round off a minute. Um, and also, when I remember, uh, I don't know if you remember, so when we bought the bandoliers, um, I said to you, I said, uh, 12, 12, 12 powder bottles don't seem a lot, does it? And uh, you turned around and said, well, to be fair, it's it's all you need. And that's right. Because <laughs> you, you lit, I think I think each um each day I've done about three or four rounds or something like that. It was mental. And like considering like going to the, the Pononic where 
in a skirmish like that, we could easily have gone through at least 30, 40 cartridges, something like that. Yes, the typical uh, number of cartridges we'd have gone through in Napoleonic would, would have been around 30. I know Waterloo 200, we fired in excess of 100 rounds. I, I went through it and I believe I had about 115 rounds I fired and the barrel was boiling hot to the touch. But mastering that with a much lock, with a, a much lock, a match lock even, is uh, yeah, it could be a very tricky uh, affair indeed. But what what I kind of always look at when we've been when we did our recent Naseby filming, for instance, I was armed with the knowledge of how Pikeman would would carry his equipment and what it felt like to, to wear armor and a, a helmet and how to use a pike, for instance. Now, as also the same for musketeer, it has to be said. Obviously, when you went to Naseby, Pete, this, this Naseby, our visit to Naseby was months before we went to Avoncroft. But I should imagine now armed with the, the knowledge and know-how of actually having the kit on that experimental archaeology coming into play, I should imagine you almost feel um, a little bit more um, sort of uh, firmed up, shall we say, as to include up as to how those guys would have gone about um, plying their trade on the fields of Naseby. Yeah, absolutely. Um it definitely did that. Um, it's all when you learn things like that. For me, it almost um, puts you, I'd say, more in touch with them in a weird sort of spiritual sort of way. If you know what I mean, because you've kind of so like going to the battlefield, doing the research we had to do for the documentary, talking about it, but then doing it myself. It, I, 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 so I kind of put myself in their shoes, so to speak. I've got a far better understanding now of of how they were doing it um but uh, you know it, the other thing I, I like if we um go and also that was uh where the concept of us doing this actually started as well was when we did the Naseby documentary because I turned around to her and went you know what after doing this and all the research that we've done I'd quite like to do an English Civil War and you're like mm, yes I think I might get back into it as well <laughs> Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online, and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Yes, it really does fire your imagination at going places like that. Naseby. Naseby's always had a personal connection with me. Anyone who's watched a documentary will know I went there as a, a young child with my dad, watched the, watched the reenactment there, and it, it's it's still ingrained on my sort of mind's eye now. And subsequently went and did an event or two there as well. And it always, it never ceases to fire my imagination, even talk about it now. I just think what an incredible battlefield. It's such it's such an amazing period of history, the English Civil War. It's so, so rich in, in the terms of, it's not just about battles. It's not just about, you know, pikemen going in and doing their business and, you know, musketeers shooting at each other, et cetera, and King Charles and Cromwell and all that nonsense. It's the social side of it as well. You know, you think, well, your neighbour could well be for Parliament, but your other neighbour, the other side, could be for the king. 
Uh, and it did tear fa- families apart as well. And the, and the political history and the sort of um, after effects of the English Civil War still resonate today with uh, old Blackbrod going into Parliament and the way that you know politics works with a constitutional monarchy. The monarch effectively has no power. It's such an amazing period of history. And it, it, it's a real privilege to be able to get back into that period and back into the period with, with like-minded individuals because just to come back a little bit more on the topic with, with uh, you know, with specifically Avoncroft, we always set out and, and moving forward for future events. It'll always be a case of what can we get out of the weekend? What can we learn from the weekend? Now, one of the great things we had, of course, was that we were in, you know, authentic accommodation, just sleeping on the floor. There's no, no tents or anything like that. Our kit was as authentic as we can, you know, realistically make it. But the other sort of uh, facet of the event, which is, again, a bit like experimental archaeology, uh, winding back to when we went to the Artisans of Reenactors Market, we stopped by a stall. Now, this stall's run by a gentleman called Stuart Peachy, who I've um, sort of rubbed shoulders with for uh, for many years. I remember him from when I first started, and he's always been a go-to man for uh, a myriad of English Civil War, 17th and 18th century as well, uh, for that matter, uh, knowledge. And he does specialize specialize in in foodstuffs and recipes. And Pete picked up a book uh, at uh, the Artisans Reenactors Market, and he uh, had a few recipes out. They plucked them out, and uh, this is what you uh, cooked at the event, wasn't it, Peter? So I don't want to steal your thunder at all. Um, talk about food and make us all hungry. Yes, because the book is actually written by him as well, which was uh, really good. Because when we turned up to his stall, he was like, "Oh." And we're like, oh, we want this pamphlet, want that pamphlet. And uh, he looked at the one in the end and he goes, um, well, you got about 20 quid's worth of pamphlets there, which I've written, which he's written himself, or they're copies of original pamphlets. Um, and he then turned around and said, well, how would you like to buy my book? And I was like, this is a sales pitch for a book. And he just turned around and said, no, I'm going to, this ain't like trying to get a sale. This book is all these pamphlets you see in front of you are all condensed into the key bits of information into this book. So you'll get more out of this book than buying a load of pamphlets. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, so I bought his book and it's one of the best books I've brought, uh, especially as a reference book as well, because he's been studying this for the best part of 40 odd years, maybe, maybe more. Um, but yeah, so I did the cooking for the lads because uh, those of you who follow me on the TikTok and that, I do like the cooking, uh, specifically feeding the British Tommy of the First World War. So I wanted to uh, do something on the 17th century side of things. So I started looking through the book, uh, started doing other research as well in the kind of stuff that they're eating at the time. Um, I learned a lot that the flavours of the time were Basically, if you take like Moroccan stews, uh, basically North African uh, spices, um, that's that's what they're eating, believe it or not. That's the kind of stuff, the flavorings that they're having in their stews and stuff like that. So I did two stews um, on the fr- Friday night. We did a pork. Sh- yeah, it was pork. Well, I think it was pork. Can't <laughs> yeah, it was pork, wasn't it? It yes, it was. It was pork. Yeah, because it was a uh, pork. Yeah, a pork stew. Uh, it was pork pottage. Like a, yeah, like a pork pottage. No, not. I'm getting confused. With what I did the next day. It wasn't a pottage. It was just a normal pork stew. Um, but it had like apples in and things like that. And then on the Saturday, also uh, after we had uh, dinner on the Friday, we also had the. Um, 
custard tart as well. So I, did, I made a 17th century custard tart, which was I thought was all right. I thought it was pretty good. Um, then on the Saturday night, um, I actually took something that predates the English Civil War. Um, this this the recipe sort of comes from uh, more towards like sort of 1066 sort of era. Um, and it was a rabbit stew, um, but there's no water in it at all. Um, it was basically, it was, it was a rabbit pottage. Um, it was, uh, but, but in place of water, it was uh, scrumpy. So uh, scrumpy cider, apple cider. So that's what we had on the uh, Saturday night. So uh, so I, I, I'm not going to say here, sit here and say how good my scoff is, but um, I'll let Stephen carry, carry on. And tell you his thoughts on the on the fair. Well, for anyone who knows me reasonably well, they'll be fully aware that I'm not a massive fan of vegetables. Um, I definitely dodge salad. Uh, that's for sure. Um, never eat one in my life, and never hope to either. But I'm I'm a massive fan, and I would describe myself very much as a meatarian. Uh, so to that end, I was very pleased to hear that Pete was going to be uh, cooking a pork stew, and it was really good. Enjoyed it. I, you know, good, nice, uh, thick slabs of uh, of pork uh nice and flavorsome and just uh you know proper genuine uh food and then the second stew oh actually he was skipping the custard uh pie it was very nice that was um i remember pete saying don't eat the uh the pastry You're not meant to eat the pastry it's all about the inner gubbins so uh i had the inner gubbins and then did have some pastry as well but that was was nice it was good uh good whole wholesome traditional english food the rabbit stew was uh was most enjoyable because uh it was actually completely on, on the bone as well. So uh, I remember Joe Bristol was uh, tucking into uh, half a rib cage at one point. That was quite uh, amusing to see. Uh, but the the meat was just so tender. It was falling away from the bone. And it was so, uh, it was heartily filling as well, which was uh, which was quite surprising because I looked at my bowl and I hadn't actually eaten that much. So it just goes to show you, you know, all, all, well, we go to KFC very often. I'm sure that's no secret. Um, it just goes to show how much we eat there. It's uh, nowhere near as filling as when you have proper, um, fresh uh, food, like we had at uh, Avoncroft. But it was most, uh, it was most lovely. I, I, I enjoyed it, and it's always the food that tends to make the event. I, of course, you know, dab my hand in uh, in the World War Two ration packs, and you know, if you can if you can eat the same food as the guys were, were eating, you get that same kind of calorific content. You're you know, under the styles where uh, where required, and you're carrying the same kit, you you just get that inch closer to what they'd have experienced. It just adds to the uh, whole event. But what I thought was most interesting, uh, because we didn't really have that much football footfall from the public, we did have uh, a couple of people from TikTok who came to see us, uh, such as Colonel Monty, well, formerly Colonel Monty, I think he's now Corporal Monty, he's been demoted. Don't ask why. Um, but he came and visited us and it was great to put some kit on him and he got a feel for it all and that. And it's something completely different. Uh, so the sort of enhanced service, so to speak. But um, aside from the public, I thought the most interesting part of it was actually when uh, other uh, reenactors who were there uh, came over and popped their head in the stables and says, oh, you're actually sleeping in here. Oh, I didn't realize that, you know, these are people who you know, traditionally stay in tents and, and so forth. And I think that was really interesting because as uh, sort of as full as English Civil War reenactment is in terms of numbers, not just in the SK, but just generally, you know, broadly speaking, people who, uh, you know, get stuck into the uh, the period. It's, it's very rare, it seems, to, to find uh, people who 
are willing to, to go that to that nth degree. And, you know, I've always prided myself on that. It's always about pushing the boundaries. And I think that was, uh, that was, that was really nice, nice to see. So Pete, what's, what's the plans for the future then? So the plan for the future is to do, to do a lot more. Um, I'm actually now paid up member of uh, Walton's as well. So um, hope it, I hope to get another event, get another event in, um, maybe I think September time, I think it is, is the only one I can do. Um, but then for next year, try and try and do a minimum of two and three at, an, at a push if I'm able to do it. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It was a cracking event. People are really nice. It's very wel- welcoming as well. Um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, yeah, crack it, cracking event. And um, if anyone... But also the other thing as well is how cheap the kit is as well. So if, uh, if you've got a, a first for living history um, and you are working to a budget and you don't have that budget to say do like World War One or World War Two or indeed like the Ponyonic because the Ponyonic's very expensive. Um, I'd say go and do English Civil War. Absolutely go and do it um, because it's a fraction of the price. And you get just as much enjoyment and enjoyment from it as the other time periods. Very wise words indeed. And if anyone's uh, looking for a group uh, to join, even if it's just for a trial event, they can hire a kit out, lend kit for the weekend and take you under the wing. Uh, go and find Colonel Valentine Walton's regiment. We'll put a link in the description of this podcast uh, to their group. And I think that draws to a very... Uh, natural end of this podcast thank you so much for joining us and uh if you'd like to support us in what we do please consider uh, either sending us a donation or even becoming a patreon for as little as one pound a month but until next time keep history alive if you've enjoyed this podcast and want to support it then why not send us a paypal donation all donations help us pay to host the podcast and for us to create new content for your enjoyment. Furthermore, if you would like to submit a question, or even a subject matter for the podcast, join Patreon and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. The links are in our bio. Until next time, keep history alive.